So today begins Holy Week, a week that has not and will never be forgotten. And the text is one verse from Luke, the ninth chapter, when in the beginning or in the middle of almost, uh, well, all three of the Gospels, the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a turning point in each Gospel where Jesus turns his face to Jerusalem. He, go, he takes this trip on his third year of ministry to his crucifixion and resurrection and all the stories that happen along the way uh, occur on this journey that would have taken about eight days, they say, walking from the, the north up in Galilee down to uh, the city of Jerusalem. The text is Luke 9, 51. It reads, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. So what happened this week? It was a very political week for one thing. All the Jews were going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, an ancient meal, celebrating their independence from slavery years and years and hundreds of years ago from Egypt. And that meal was likened to our communion, perhaps a day to remember. And there were certain things on the table that all had symbols of that journey from slavery and bondage to freedom and the promised land. But it was a political week because Rome ruled over Israel. And Rome would make sure that this Jewish celebration that would bring thousands and thousands of Jewish people to the capital city of Jerusalem for this week that there would be no more independence celebrated. And so garrisons of troops of the Romans would come into Jerusalem to make sure that a lid was kept on anything that would boil over. It was a political week. Who has the real power and what is the right kingdom? It's also a religious week because Jesus doesn't match up to what the Jews were expecting for the Messiah. He's not it. He's from Nazareth, which is a podunk town out in the country. It's kind of like Farmville. Anybody from Farmville? Okay, we're good. It's even smaller than that. It's an insignificant country bumpkin town, and Jesus is not the Messiah. They're looking for a military leader. They're looking for somebody like King David. They're looking for somebody that is on their side, on their team, somebody who admires the high priest, somebody who is going to restore the law, not break it by healing somebody on the Sabbath, but somebody who's going to bring the law even higher up in the eyes of the people and somebody who's going to make Jerusalem the capital city of the world. That's who they're looking for. That's the Messiah. And not somebody, by the way, who is God, who claims to be God incarnate. But this is a human person who God chooses to use 
to bring about God's rule in the world. That's who the Jews are looking for, and Jesus does not in any way fit the bill. He's a carpenter from Nazareth with a bunch of fishermen. Come on. He's not it. So it's a political week. It's a religious week. And if you look at all four Gospels, there's no Gospel that gives you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday scenario, but take all four Gospels and patch them together and you can come up with a probable, probable details of that week. Well, here's how it goes. On Sunday, after this journey from the north in Galilee uh, down to Jerusalem, and to the holy city, which is like going to New York. I mean, this is the big city. And after getting there, on Sunday, Mark says they entered Jerusalem, and that's on the donkey with the palm branches and, and Jewish people and people of all kinds of people proclaiming him to be king. This is interesting because he comes in the eastern gate on the side of the Mount of Olives. And from the western gate near Caesarea would have come Pilate with all the garrisons of the army to keep peace in Jerusalem during this holy week. And so you have this force of power coming in on the west gate and you have this carpenter coming in on a donkey on the other side of town. Some scholars have imagined that this happened at the same time. And the contrast would be stunning. Mark says he goes into the temple on Sunday, looks around at everything, and, quote, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So he comes into town on Sunday, goes into the temple, simply looks around, and then goes out of out of the city. Now, where were they staying? If you go out of that eastern gate, there's somewhat of a ravine, the Kidron Valley. It's like, it's not a valley, it's like a big ravine. And then you start climbing up the Mount of Olives, which is not exactly a mountain, but more of just a huge hill covered in olive trees. When you get to the top of that, the Mount of Olives, Right on the back side is a little town called Bethany. It's only two miles from the gate of Jerusalem, which is about from here to the middle of Carytown. So each night they were leaving here and walking down Cary Street Road until two miles they'd come to the little town of Bethany. They spent the night with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. All week, the 12 disciples and Jesus, every night of this holy week, they'd go into Jerusalem during the day, and at night, they'd go out to Bethany, which tells you what great friends Jesus must have been with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And of course, you tend to be good friends with somebody who has raised you from the dead. (laughs) But these guys are probably 30-something years old. We forget that. They're young adults changing the world. And so on Sunday night, Jesus goes into Jerusalem with this triumphal entry with palm branches. They would lay the branches down on the dusty road so the kings wouldn't get dust on themselves. And so the palm branches were laid to pave the road for the king on the king's highway. 
Sunday evening, he goes out to Bethany, and on Monday morning, they get up and come back into the city. And this event right here changes things. Mark tells us he goes back to the temple on Monday, and he began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, it is, not, is it not written, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now that doesn't sound like a whole lot to you, does it? What Jesus did was went straight into the Capitol building of the Jewish nation and spit right in the face of the high priest. He turned over the system. Money changers would take your money, give me a $20 bill, an American bill, and I'm going to change it over because it's dirty secular money, and I'm going to change it to holy money so you can take holy money and buy your sacrifice to the Lord. But I'm going to charge you a percentage for the flip. I'm going to make money off of your devotion to God. Let me tell you, that does not sit well with Jesus. He kicks the tables over, takes a whip, and drives out the sacrificial animals as if to say, I'm breaking up your system. Now, that's not the Messiah who's supposed to come and be on our side and develop the law and make us a... No, you're not it. The turning over of the tables. You may not have remembered this context. The turning over of the tables was the match that lit the gasoline for his crucifixion. They left Monday and went back out up over the mound to Carytown to spend the night on Monday. When they came back on Tuesday, everybody was, it was like somebody had stuck a beehive with a, with a broom. The Jewish authorities were all buzzed up over what had happened on Monday. They started asking him all kinds of questions, trying to trap him. Some of the questions that happened on Tuesday, they asked him the question about, should we pay taxes to Caesar? That happened on Tuesday. Which was a way to say, to whom do you pay allegiance? Here's the, you could almost see the Roman garrison standing by with their, bra- with their plates and their spears and their swords and the horses and the chariots, and they ask him the questions, would you tell your people to pay taxes to support this? Jesus said, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar, but give to God's what's God's. Well, what is God's? Everything. They ask him other uh, questions on that day. They asked him a religious question. Of all the 600 and some laws in our Torah, which one's the greatest? And he said, to love God 
But let me tell you, there's another one tied to it. To love your neighbor whom God created as you love yourself. Oh, they wanted to know, where do you stand politically? Where do you stand religiously? He leaves on Tuesday and goes back over to Bethany. And it may be that Mary anoints Jesus with this very expensive ointment. And I'm going to be preaching on this at St. Paul's, uh, that particular piece of the story this week. And the disciples, when she breaks open this very expensive ointment and she pours it over him, it's about a year's worth of salary in that ointment. The disciples said, what a waste. (laughs) We could have used this for the poor. So you now know the disciples were Presbyterians. (laughs) There's the proof. Frugal, (laughs) you know, always practical, sometimes wrong. Everybody's missing the point of what's going on this week. Judas leaves on Tuesday night and goes back into Jerusalem to meet with the officials to line up some kind of betrayal and arrest. So the whole story's starting to unravel. There are no accounts of what happened on Wednesday. Strange enough. And on Thursday, Jesus sent a couple of disciples from Bethany back into Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover meal, the big memorial meal. So they would have gone to the temple. They would have changed their money. They would have bought a sacrificial lamb that had been prepared by the priest. They would take that to the upper room. They would cook the meal All day Thursday was preparation for the afternoon when Jesus and the other disciples left Bethany, walked the two miles, came into the eastern gate to the upper room. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples in that moment. What kind of God does that? What kind of God comes in human flesh and then not only comes in human flesh, but kneels down before humans and washes their feet. This isn't the kind of God anybody expected. It's radical. He takes a Passover meal and he changes the meaning of it. Who dare does that? He takes the bread and we take communion so casually somewhat now compared to the radicalness of this. He, he takes the the unleavened bread, and he says, this, is, this has got a new meaning now. This is my body. I'm the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You don't need to go to the temple and get a lamb anymore. I'm it. I'm laying down my life for you. I'm the one that will deliver all of you from slavery, of sin and death. I'm the cup of salvation. It's on my blood. This is a big night. And Judas gets up and leaves to betray him. To set up the arrest. They leave the meal. They go out the eastern gate. They're on their way back over the Mount of Olives to go to Bethany, but they don't make it. 
They stop in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a part of the Mount of Olives. It's just heavy olive trees. He leaves the disciples at one place and he goes in a little further. They fall asleep, humanity sleeping while God's working. He prays that prayer, look, I don't particularly want to do this. And you hear the human part of Jesus struggling with what he knows is coming when Judas comes with the temple priests, not Romans, but temple priests come and arrest him outside the city walls late at night after the Passover, no crowds around, no chance of a riot. They take him back into the city, up up the hill a bit to to the house of Caiaphas, high priest. Late Thursday night. We call it Monday Thursday. Monday in Latin, mandate, meaning a new commandment was given to us to love one another. You'll never see anybody do it any better than this. Late Thursday night, they call a trial. They bring the Jewish Sanhedrin together. Seventy um, elders made up the Sanhedrin. They call them to Caiaphas' house, and they, they know they can't crucify him because the Jews did not have the power for crucifixion. Only Rome could get rid of this guy. And so they had to trump up charges that Rome would care about. And there were three. He forbids the paying of taxes. Can you believe Jesus died over taxes? And he had said, yes, pay Caesar taxes, but pay God's what's God's. So we know that's false. Number two, he claims to be the king. Now, there can only be one king. Caesar, the head of all of Rome. And kings were put over, puppet kings were put over every providence that Rome had conquered. So Herod was the puppet king over Israel. And there would be no kings coming into my town on my watch. Third, third uh, charge. He seeks to pervert the nation. He's trying to turn Israel upside down. Early Friday morning, after Peter's denied him to a maid who showed up at dawn to come to work for Caiaphas, and she sees Peter standing out by the fire and says, that guy, he's one of them. And Peter says, I don't know him. No, 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 you know him. I don't know him. I know you know him. I don't know him. He is the leader of the 12. (laughs) So we've got betrayal, we've got denial, we've got everything unraveling. And yet this whole thing is moving forward with or without us. Rome doesn't care about religion. It cares about control. Pilate goes back and forth. I mean, really, if you were Pilate, would you see Jesus as a big threat? Here's a country bumpkin from Farmville with 12 fishermen and messed up people. I mean, they're not even educated. I mean, what? (laughs) They scare you? You want me to crucify him 
and this little band of ragamuffins? If I'd have been Pilate, I'd have done the same thing. I'd have said, he's not worth the crucifixion. He's not worth the wood on the cross, if you want to know the truth. But he gets caught up in the politics of it, and somebody probably said, Pilate, if you don't put your foot down on this, it's Passover, it's tents around here. This guy's been stirring everything up. They need to see that you're the leader. Just step up, get it done. You crucified 20 people a day. He's just one more. And Jesus hangs on uh, the cross and they put a plaque over his head. Crucifixions were billboards, and so whatever your sin was, like if you were a thief, it would have over your, the plaque over your head would say thief. In his case, what was on his plaque? Even you know that. King of the Jews. So when you walk by this crucifixion and you see this billboard, if you want to claim to be a king, here's what will happen to you. There is no king. There's no kingdom. But Rome. Oh, it's about politics, folks. This isn't just a religious week. It's about politics. He hung on the cross from 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday. So he was arrested late Thursday night. He's in Caiaphas' home this pre-dawn mock trial. First thing in the morning, they get him to Pilate. Pilate condemns him, and at nine o'clock, he's hanging. It moved quick. Passover's over, and so is Jesus. And he hung on the cross on Friday from 9 a.m. till 3 p.m., six hours. Saturday, was their Sabbath, like your Sunday. And for those who had followed him, it was a long, dark, hopeless day. Saturday. Jesus was dead all day Saturday. There are people living amongst us in this modern world who live in Saturday. They have no hope. They have no God. They have no future. All they have is what is. And they live in Saturday. Today begins Holy Week. Not as reenactors, we don't come to reenact Holy Week. We come as disciples to Holy Week. It's a week about who had the real power. Who does have the real power in this world? Right now, who has it? And it was a question of who has the real kingdom. Now, I don't know where you're going to be this Thursday. And I don't know what you're going to be doing. But I don't know why you wouldn't be here at 7 o'clock. Maundy Thursday. The day Jesus took the Passover and flipped it. 
The day he kept moving forward when everything else around him was moving backwards. And we will contemplate that kind of love that comes in a God that we never expected or deserved. On Good Friday, I want to ask you to do something that will change your life. Be aware of the hours between 9 and 3 p.m. That's all. You can be on the golf course and just check your watch every now and then. Between 9 and 3, he's being put up on the cross now at 9. Two hours later, you'll look at it and you'll go, good Lord, he's still on it. Another hour or so, you'll look at it. He's still on it. It's the sixth most darkest hours the world has ever known. The crucifixion of Christ. And then make sure you're here on Sunday, Easter, because you've got to hear the ending to this story. You're not going to believe it. Or I don't know, maybe you will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God's people said...